everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse. In this episode, we're going to obviously talk about the Bengals and uh, their Super Bowl loss, unfortunately, kind of get into a little other things that went into the news after the Super Bowl. We're going to kind of talk about the Blue Jackets a little bit and the Cavs, but first we're going to talk about something different. We haven't really talked about you know much college athletics other than football, obviously, with Ohio State and Cincinnati kind of being as big as they were, especially Cincinnati making it to the playoffs, but I did kind of want to talk about um, Ohio State women's basketball just kind of been seeing a lot of stuff with them in the news recently and with them ranked 18th and they have a you know top 25 matchup against Maryland um, on the 17th um, so kind of wanted to get Greg's opinion on what he thought you know the biggest reason for their success was this year I believe they are 19 and 4 and they're 11 and 3 in their conference so Greg what do you think is attributing to their success so far I think a lot of it has to do with coaching. Uh, I think coach Kevin McGruff has done a great job of spacing out the ball, putting everybody in when they need to be, you know, they've won 10 out of their last 11. They're in a four-way tie right now, as you said, you know, that they're doing what they need. Um, I think their biggest hurdle right now seems to be the big 10 with the three of their four losses coming out of the big 10. Um, They had a great win against Illinois uh, the other day, 86 to 67. Um, Harris had 17 and that was her career high. And then Sheldon had 22. So they're, they're firing on all cylinders. Let's hopefully see if they can take this to the um, March and into the tournament and go from there. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I mean, coaching coaching is always huge. If you have a good coach who can, you know, draw up good plays and put the right people in situations to be successful, that is, you know, crazy important. I think another thing that's also attributing to their success is there are two veteran guards who are both averaging like 20 points a game. So you have Taylor... I'm going to say Mike Sell, probably the wrong pronunciation, but she's averaging 19.3 points a game. And then their other veteran guard in J.C. Sheldon, she's averaging 20 points a game. So I think that's just they're scoring the ball at a high rate, both of them. And I think that's helping propel them to wins. Um, and especially in the Big Ten, which is always green, whatever you know sport you play, they're always going to play each other hard. It doesn't matter you know who's ranked and who's not. So for those, you know, two to be able to score at a high rate that they are right now, I think that's that's really attributing to a lot of their success. Like you said, they've won 10 of their last 11 games. I think they're on a four-game win streak. And that'll be really helpful kind of going into a top 25 matchup against Maryland, who I believe sits right above them in the rankings on the Big Ten right now. So if they can get that win, that'll kind of, I think, put them in first place, I think, or tied for first, depending on how um, the rest of the game shake out tomorrow and stuff like that but anything else that you have on this or um you gonna watch this game yeah i'm gonna put it on i definitely think they're they're starting they're at the precipice of of either they're going to start soaring or if you know depending on again how this game against maryland goes because this four-way tie if they beat maryland i think there's there's still there's this because they've played one last game than the others so i think that there'd still be a weird tiebreaker type of situation going on um, so it, it'll definitely, if they can win this game, it's, it's going to be a catalyst to going forward and think that they can really start pushing, pushing down the stretch. Yeah, definitely. I think this is going to be a team that, like I said, if these two can keep scoring and, um, they can continue to kind of rebound and move the ball. Cause it seems like they move the ball pretty well too. It doesn't seem like anybody has a crazy amount of assists, but everybody has, you know, at least four or five assists averaging per game. So it seems like they move the ball around a lot too. And we've seen that in the NBA. 
that causes great success. You know, when you talk about the Cavs or the Suns or the Warriors in the NBA, if you can move the ball and everybody can get a little piece of the pie, then they don't know where the points are coming from. Moving on from college, we are going to talk about the NFL and the Bengals. Unfortunately, they did lose. They lost a hard one. <laughs> it was pretty close. Um, you know, a couple of plays could have gone their way and they could have won that game, but they didn't. They're a young team. I kind of wanted to get Greg's opinion on how he felt about the Super Bowl since a lot of us were on two-minute drill the other day. So, Greg, go ahead and uh, let everybody know how you felt about the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm, I'm not sad about it. That's the thing. Like, I, I read uh, an article or then, like a meme or something the other day that it's like you're going to feel bad no matter who loses the Super Bowl because Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow are just two really likable guys. So you're like – you know, you're you're rooting for for them regardless. And it, it turned out to be a great Super Bowl. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, watched every minute of it. You know, it, I think if I read correctly that it was the most watched Super Bowl since 2017, I believe. So that, that says a lot about what, um, you know, I some people are saying that, you know, the Cincinnati fans are, are, are they going to show up? Are they going to show out? And, and it just showed even from a statistical standpoint from television ratings that that a lot of people tuned in to watch an underdog versus whatever but i i I liked it i know i've said this in the past and i said that there were garbage wins for for cincinnati and i'm gonna eat my crow so my mouth is wide open for you to feed me this crow that they just showed how phenomenal joe burrow to me He's the next incarnation of, of Tom Brady. It, it, it just uh, the way he plays and his ability to play at a high caliber level at this early in his career. I basically put this as his rookie season. You got to say that he didn't really play. He got injured last year and, and didn't fulfill the season. And this is his first full season playing. You got Jamar Chase, you know, getting, you know, offensive rookie of the year and, and, and going to the Super Bowl his first year, Mixon is just phenomenal. Uh, I'm not sad about it because I know they're going to be back. Like that's the thing. Like I know Joe Burrow is going to be in another two or three, maybe even four Super Bowls in his career. Maybe not. Might not be all with the Bengals, but the kid's a baller, and he's going to keep balling. And uh, I, I just like it. So I'm not sad that they lost. There was a lot of good things that happened with the Rams winning. You know, OBJ getting his first. Stafford just showing that he is possibly Hall of Fame worthy, if that makes any sense, but 13 and, and took a lot under the chin to be with those 13 seasons, you know, with with the, the Lions and to come out and, and to show that him and McVay were on the same page and, and they knew what they were going to do right off the get. They talked about it from day one. This is what they were going to do and they did it. So sad for Ohio, but happy for the. Yeah, it was a great game. You know, I. I... I don't think I can say anything different. You know, I, I, I do agree with you. I think that this was one of those Super Bowls that people watched because obviously there were fans of either team, but I think there were Detroit fans that probably watched because they wanted to see Matthew Stafford win and maybe some wanted to see him lose. But I think the majority of the people wanted to see him. And then I think there was a lot of you know people here in Columbus who wanted to see Joe Burrow get it done. And, and I, the only thing I will say about Joe Burrow, you make that Tom Brady comparison and I think what makes a great sports player when you play in any sport what makes you great is being able to overcome and be great when there's so many things that are kind of stacked against you like when you talk about that offensive line and you talk about the nine sacks that he took against Tennessee 
and the seven that the, the, the Rams laid on him, and that he was still able to spin out of a sack from Aaron Donald and put a ball in position where Pirine could have probably dove out and caught it, or at least he should have tried to dive and catch it. But to be able to still fight to the end like that and put his team in position to win, I think, like you said, we're going to see them in more playoff games. We're going to see them in more Super Bowls, and he'll get one before he retires. But yeah, to see Aaron Donald get one, to see Matthew Stafford get one, I think that's huge because that does a lot for their legacy. And they won the Super Bowl, so that's the ultimate goal. It's the hard, It's one of the hardest things to do is win a championship. To move on to someone else who isn't really getting as much love, <laughs> especially from his uh, his peers in the NFL, Eli Apple. Cooper Cup caught a fade over top of him. He kind of mossed him a little bit, and that's what really won the Super Bowl. I think I think Aaron Donald's you know pressure on Joe Burrow there at the end helped too, but that's really what kind of sealed the deal. On that last drive, Eli Apple got a little bit exposed, and Cooper Cup had his way with him. And he's been getting, <laughs> I would say, a little bit bullied on social media. Um, and a lot of people say it's kind of deserving. Do you think it's deserving? Or do you think people are a little being a little bit unjust, especially for how good that defense has played this year? I mean, so Eli Apple is is a great defensive player. He, uh, he has been, and he showed it throughout the entire season. And you're allowed to play lousy defense every once in a while. And I'm not saying he should in a, a big game like that. I'm just saying that. Give the guy a little bit of a break. You know, we all have our moments where we we don't fulfill the obligations that we need to do when it comes to getting the job done. I think a little bit of what Eli Apple is dealing with was his, for lack of a better term, smack talking well in before the game and, and into a lot of things. There's a lot of tweets. There's a lot of stuff that he was saying that he basically was just calling people out. And, and it just, it, it looked bad for him. He's got a lot of egg on his face, you know, when it comes down to it. Um, I don't, one of the, the tweets that I thought was just was like hilarious. Um, McCall Hardman Jr. Um, tweeted at, at Eli Apple it's cool, big bro. You might get one of these one day talking about a, a ring because he uh, has a ring with Kansas City. But mm. in the meantime, just get better at your craft. And that's all he can do, you know. And and that's the thing is that when we, we talk about all these missed opportunities or missed plays or missed directions or whatever, you know, I remember the, the Patriots game, um, Super Bowl versus the Eagles and that, that Philly special and that, that you know, Nick Foles caught that that touchdown in the end zone and, and the second half to, to really kind of solidify that, 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 uh, that quarter. But you, you don't remember any of the players' names who, who missed their assignments. Nobody remembers that. They just remember that, that Nick Foles caught a touchdown. And I did read something that, that he was actually the fourth option in that. Um, he wasn't even the first option. He was the fourth option for that particular play. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. But when it comes down to it, in, in a year or two years from now, nobody's going to remember that Eli uh, Apple missed an assignment and allowed Cooper Cup to win that. Um, it'll just it'll come down to that he's still a good player and he got to a Super Bowl. So that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I will uh, I'll agree. If you're going to – my thing is, like, I guess if you're going to dish it, you got to be able to take it. So he's got to be able to sit there and he's got to take be able to take the criticism and, and grow from it and learn from it. You know what I mean? I think – I think the greats learned along the way that they have to let their play do the talking. You know what I mean? 
And when they get to a certain point where they've put a, a body of work together, where it's undeniable how good they've been or how great they've been, um, then they, they can start talking about it. You know, Eli Apple didn't have the greatest success with the Saints when he came over to Cincinnati. I think it really kind of gave him a second opportunity to grow and to become a better defensive player. And I think he really helped that defense. And that's what really kind of helped carry this to to the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, he went up against, he got assigned Cooper Cup. And he's not the first guy to get beaten by Cooper Cup. And he won't be the last guy to be beaten by Cooper Cup. That dude is probably the best wide receiver in football right now. Um, when you talk about route running, when you talk about hands, he is always open. And I just, I, I think at the end of the day, I don't think there was very many people that could have stopped that touchdown pass, if any at all. Yeah, and with Cooper Cup, so I, I read this, that Cooper Cup, so he won the Offensive Player of the Year. He won the Triple Crown, and he won Super Bowl MVP. The only other wide receiver to do that was Jerry Rice throughout his career. Cooper Cup won it in a, all those in a single season. Yeah. That's so, real. I mean, he's burnt a lot of people this year. So Eli Apple was up against a guaranteed future Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's so give him, give the dude a little bit of a. And, and honestly, for the most of the game, Cooper Cup was kind of non existent. You know what I mean? Like, I know OBJ had that first touchdown and then he went out with the knee injury, but it really wasn't until the second half that Cooper Cup kind of, and especially that last drive, that he came out and really, really kind of exposed Eli Apple. And, and unfortunately, like I like I said, I like Eli Apple. I think he's, he's, a, he's a good defensive back, but I don't think that he's a top-tier defensive back. But he, he makes up for it by making smart plays and playing hard. You know what I mean? But that can only get you so far when you're going up against, I don't know if I want to say generational talent, but at this point, when you kind of compare what he's done this year to, you know, past greats, like Cooper Cup is is bound for the Hall of Fame. So, but I'm sure we'll kind of go over Eli Apple going forward because I don't know if the hate will stop, but <laughs> we'll kind of see what happens going forward. But to finish out our uh, Bengals talk, I did quickly want to get your opinion on the Zach Taylor extension. He's been extended through 2026. And I wanted to see if you thought that was a good decision or if you thought maybe they should have gone in a different direction. I mean, your coach just took your team to the Super Bowl. What better time <laughs> to negotiate your contract? And, and, you know, you, you, you've shown that you can coach at an elite level and you can out coach the Titans. Mike Vrabel is amazing. You can out coach Andy Reid. You, you know, you, you very nearly out coach Sean McVay. Um, I think he, he's shown, you know, that he, he was deserving of a renegotiation. Um, he, you know, he had one year left on his contract. It, what's crazy is that last year he was in the hot seat. I mean, he was like in consideration to be like, you know, we might, we might let you go, you know, you know, in the start of his career, his first two seasons, he was what, six, 25 and one. And then, you know, yeah. this year, 10 and seven with a, you know, playoffs wins and Super Bowl appearance. Um, I, I think it's deserving. Um, hopefully he can continue, but I think with the pieces he has in place offensively and defensively, especially defensively and offensive, they need that the offensive line is what they need to fix, but that's the only thing they need to fix. So when you've got, you know, you've got some good draft 
capital coming moving up um, for this upcoming draft. I think that you fix that offensive line. Um, I think you're you're going to see some scary things happen, and they will no longer have garbage wins. They will have quality wins by quality football. You heard it here. The Bengals are a uh, a quality football team. <laughs> no, listen, I I 100 probably the the right decision is the best decision at the time. I mean, you don't you don't fire a guy who just helped lead you to a Super Bowl or, or a Super Bowl appearance. I should. Um, he he deserves to to kick the can down the road a little bit more and, and see if he can put it together and win a Super Bowl. I, I think that he's earned that right. And listen, the Bengals organization have always been an organization when they hire a head coach, they usually give them the opportunity to build the team that they they want and you know build the culture that they want, and they give them an opportunity to be there. You know, which I think is the correct decision. I think these like one year hires, two or three years, it's just not enough time, and. He struck lightning in a bottle because Joe Burrow is just that dude. Um, but, you know, realistically, it takes four or five years to be competitive when you're starting to build a new culture and, and a new team like that. But, you know, I think he said it in an interview where he was like, if I was on any other team, I would have been gone. Um, but he said that, you know, Mike Brown is one of the most patient people. And I, I think we've seen that. I mean, look, he he had Marvin Lewis as his head coach for, what, 20 years? And that was basically mediocrity. He couldn't get, get past anything. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is a good move. Zach Taylor seems like a very good young head coach. And like I said, I think we'll see this team in the playoffs a lot and they'll get another shot. At and what, what's they to say about, yeah. And what's to say like what, where Belichick would, would have been if he hadn't been able to get Brady, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know, so it's like you, a great quarterback. And I do believe Joe Burrow is a great quarterback can change a coach's complete trajectory to end up being Super Bowl winning and, and Hall of Fame type caliber coaching. So and all it takes is that one player to just get them there. Yeah. So we'll kinda of keep tabs on that. I don't know the exact money. Um I couldn't find that, but I think that'll probably come out over the next couple of weeks and uh we'll definitely get that to you guys. Do you have something else to add? Well I just wanted we were talking about extensions. I wanted to actually get your opinion on what you thought about Luke Fickle's contract extension with Cincinnati. I know we talked about how you thought that he would possibly leave if something else opened up in other places, but uh, he's uh, signed the contract extension through 2028. That will make him one of the highest paid coaches in the group of five, um, about $5 million a year. So I just kind of wanted to see what you thought about that. I think it's an amazing move. I think for a program that is going to be transitioning from the group of five to power five in the next three years, I think. Um, I think that's amazing for them to lock him up. I think for them to say, hey, this is our guy going forward. That's going to help with recruiting. And he is a really good upcoming young coach. And I said this too when we talked about him potentially moving on. I don't think he's going to move on from Cincinnati unless he can move on from Cincinnati and go to Ohio State. I He seems like a guy, like a loyal guy who wants to sit there and build build that program. I mean, he's been there. He's put in. He's put in the time, you know, stayed up late, not slept. He probably has lots of sleepless nights and he has done this to put this program in a situation to where we're asking the question, is Cincinnati going to be competing, you know, for a playoff spot every single year? So I think this was an amazing move. I think they had to do this. I think honestly, they even kind of got him on a little bit of a deal because like I said, in three years, they're going to be in, you know, one of the power five conferences. They're going to be in a, you know, a legitimate conference. Um, that the you know playoff committee is going to have to look at. So 
I think that if they can continue to build and continue to grow and continue to get in top tier talent into that program, this is going to be a team that that we're going to see be competitive for a long time. And and I'm excited about it because when you look at Ohio, there's really not been another program that you could look at that's really rivaled you know, for you know the fans against Ohio State. So to have something else in the state, I think that's going to be really fun. I mean, do you agree or? No, no, completely. I just, I, I'm really like, it, it, for the longest time, it was Cleveland this or, you know, whatever. And I, I, I just feel like Cincinnati is just booming right now. Mm-hmm. As great as is the, um, the Bearcats are doing, as great as the Bengals are doing. You know, the Reds are the Reds, but I just, you know, I, I just see Cincinnati is just, you know, being looked at across the country as like a we need to take this this city you know a little seriously more serious than we have been before because they're putting out amazing talent and amazing you know opportunities for, mm. for the city for the state so i just i just love it i love it i love it i love. It. I mean listen i mean you you look at you look at how i think cleveland as a city was like saved by the success of the Cavs, especially when lebron came back the second time because at that time, the Indians, they were, you know, they were a really good baseball team. They were competing in the playoffs almost every single year for about four or five years. Um, and you talk about the Browns now who are, you know, on, on paper, they should be a playoff team. You know what I mean? Obviously, they had the engine, you know, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Baker going forward. But, you know, I'm not going to say they're not going to be successful. So, you know, that 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 revenue that it brings in, the the spirit that it brings up. And, and I think if Cincinnati can continue to do that, I think the Reds have to figure it out. I think Reds ownership needs to figure out whether they want to continue doing what they are doing or they're going to jump on the bandwagon and let's spend some freaking money and let's put a team on the field. Let's put a team on the field that can be successful. Because last year they had a run where it looked like they were going to make the playoffs and then they fell off. So they need to go out there and figure out how to make sure that doesn't happen again. And they need to put a team on the field that people are proud of to watch. So I think that, you know, as a state, we have three cities that have a lot of sports in them that are doing very successful. And I'm excited to go forward as as an Ohioan, <laughs> I guess. So and also we'll all have a lot of content to talk about on Ohioverse about doing good. So uh, right. nobody wants to hear us come on here and talk about people being bad, but <laughs> Um, but not to transition to someone that's not doing too well, but the Blue Jackets, they're not on the same trajectory as they were. Um, I think we were all happy with what they were doing because we were like, wow, this is awesome. You know, we're doing a lot with house money, but, you know, to start 12 and 6 and then now to go 11 and 8, it's, it's rough. It's not looking, I don't know if they just, the chemistry is just not there anymore or, you know, maybe team chemistry got better and we're just getting exposed because we're young and trying to figure things out um, or maybe this offensive first mentality is just not working, but, you know, I kind of want to get your opinion on, you know, what kind of derailed their, I don't know if you'd call it a hot start, but I mean, for what we thought they were going to do, it, it was a hot start. So what do you think kind of derailed that? I mean, it's been just little mistakes. Uh, the The game against the flames the other day where they lost six to two was, was a perfect example. Um, lack of defensive efforts on, on, almost everybody's parts um you ended up getting boquist um and he's as advertised when it comes to offensive presence but he lacks defensive ability and it just that's where they're they're lacking the that defense coming down on the other end of the ice thing is they have a lot of maturing to do and i know that's a bitter pill to swallow now but i think in the future good things will happen with them 
Um, their biggest issue that I, I've noticed, and I watched a couple games over the when they do score, it's a lot of it's a, almost a retaliatory score, but they score a lot when they just got scored. They hustle and end up scoring, and they're not scoring on planned offensive lines and stuff like that. So uh, I think that that's something they need to work on is trying to get score early, score first, rather than score in retaliation. Yeah, I mean, and I think at the beginning they were doing interviews with players and, and coaches and stuff like that. It, they they had changed the mentality of it was very much a a defensive first team with torts, and now it's very much like we're just going to go out there and try to score as many goals. And sometimes that you know opens up holes in your defense. And to lose six to two now, like the Flames are a pretty good team, or <laughs> they're probably going to make the playoffs as long as nothing goes crazy wrong, but. I think that even then, you still need to be competitive. And I know this is a young team, so I think this year we kind of thought this is what they would be. But it just kind of, it's weird because they, they started so hot, I think, for what we thought. And then now they've kind of tapered off and they are this year. But I agree with you. They're going to get better. I mean, they're young. There's a lot of young guys on that. They got to build the chemistry up. And I think over the next couple of years, as they kind of add pieces and players grow and get better, you know, we'll see this team get better defensively and offensively, and hopefully they'll put a better, you know, product on the on the ice. But moving on to the Cavs, this will be our last topic of the episode here. And obviously the trade deadline, they made a big trade for Karis LeVert um, from the Pacers. They didn't really give up much, which is awesome. But since he has been traded the team and started playing, they're two and four, and he's averaging 13 points per game. So I kind of want to get your opinion on how impactful he's been so far, and then, you know, how impactful you think he'll be going forward. I think he'll be definitely impactful going forward. It's, it's, it's some help for Garland. Um, Levert is definitely a ball handler, and I think that, that he can spread that ball around and make sure that, that, you know, Allen, Garland, and Mobley, you know, get the touches they need to, to, to score. You know, I think that, you know, if you get Okoro and Osman mixed too, I think that, that, you know, something that they could be a team that no one wants to face. And I, I definitely think that they are playoff caliber with this addition. And I'm not saying they're, they're NBA finals ready quite yet, but I think that they're at least good enough to, to take a series against someone else in the first round or two. This is a good addition. I, I Happy to see that. I, I think that two and four doesn't necessarily, you know, speak to what what they've been doing over the course of the season so far. I think maybe sometimes that might be chemistry when it comes to just getting used to how things are passed around and stuff like that. So I definitely scored an A when it comes to the trade. Like they definitely got better deal out of it than sending Rubio to the Pacers. So no, I I agree with you. I think that. It's definitely a chemistry thing that they're two and four, and you know what I mean. Obviously, this is a guy who can drop twenty on you. So the thirteen points per game, I think, is him just trying to figure it out. I think it was like it was like eleven, twenty-two, eleven, and nine, if I remember, for the first four games. So it's not like he wasn't, you know what I mean, productive or anything. So, but I think with him, and then if Sexton can kind of come back and be healthy for the playoffs, having two guys that can drop twenty on any given night, especially if one of them comes off the bench or one of them starts, I think that. That's going to be super helpful, especially for a team that doesn't have much, I guess, offensive explosion. I mean, most of their points were really kind of coming from Garland and then, you know, Allen and Mobley and Markinen were kind of you know, sharing the the love there. And then Kevin Love, 
Um, sometimes he comes off the bench and drops 20 because he actually cares about playing basketball now. So um, I, I think those guys will really help because those are, those guys are you know two like just pure scorers. Um, so I think impactfulness for the playoffs, I think it's going to be super impactful. I think I said this on nothing but net last week, but I think the Cavs have a good chance of being one of the final four in the playoffs. I think that the way that they play, the way that they, you know, space the floor, the way that they move the ball, the way that they play selfless basketball. I think that they could put themselves in a position to be in the final four with teams like the Heat, the Bulls, and um, the Bucks. You know what I mean? I, I Obviously, I don't want to count out the Nets or, or the Sixers, but with their trade and their injury history and the way that those guys are playing with each other, I just don't know if they're going to be able to win a seven-game series. Obviously, Kevin Durant isn't a phenomenal player, but if he can't stay healthy, then I just don't see the Nets moving forward. So I, I do see those four teams with the Cavs being one of them that could potentially competing for the uh, first spot in the Eastern Conference Championship. So, and they're young. You know, they remind me a lot of that Miami Heat team that was really young, that was led by Jimmy Butler. Um, just kind of like, he's just a dog. You know what I mean? I think Jared Allen is, is a similar kind of player. He is, He doesn't mind, you know, getting in the paint and, you know, playing hard and physical. And, um, I think that goes a long way. So this will be a, a fun team watching going, to watch going forward. But, yeah, I think it's super impactful. I think it was a good trade. And, yeah, they gave up, what, Ricky Rubio um, a first. They swapped seconds, I think. So it's like they didn't really give up much. And they, they're, they're not going to need their first-round pick this year. So, all right, guys, well, that does it. For our, you know, topics here in Ohioverse, obviously we're going to end the show on our double take segment. Don't worry, I didn't forget. So I'm going to let Greg go ahead and start it off. Well, to kind of stay in the basketball realm, and, and you kind of stole a little bit of my thunder when it came to talking about the Nets and the uh, 76ers um, in the East and everything like that. Um, but this trade sending Harden to the 76ers and uh, sending Ben Simmons, the, the worst player in the to the Nets. Um, so my prediction is that the 76ers are going to come out way ahead in the regular trade. The 76ers with Joel Embiid and Harden together. Once they uh, they get on the court together, I think a force to be reckoned with. It actually got me a little bit excited to watch 76ers games. And I am a Celtics fan. So uh, I'm really excited to see this. I think that the experiment in um, Brooklyn did not work. Obviously, Kyrie's Kyrie, and that's that. You know, you've got Durant, who again, probably one of the best players in the NBA, um, and in the top ten of all time for me at least. Um, but he he has not been able to put it together, and I just don't think that adding Ben Simmons to that lineup do anything to or yeah to the Nets, and I, I think that they're just gonna flounder. And so uh, I'm on the 76 train when it comes to that. Yeah, I. The only thing I'll say is I think the trade was um, because, you know, obviously Harden and Joel Embiid are going to be, they're probably going to play really well together. And that's going to be one of the better, like, pick and roll games, you know, in the NBA. But the Nets got depth and the 76ers lost depth depth by losing Curry and losing Drummond. Like, that's going to, I think that's going to show come playoff time. Um when your guys are playing a lot of minutes, because Curry and Drummond, those those guys are they're going to be key for the Nets, especially if Kyrie can can continue to stay healthy, and if Kevin Durant can come back healthy. I think that even if Ben Simmons doesn't play or whatever he decides to do, I think that's going to be key for them going forward because those are going to be two guys, like I said, that are just going to be able to add to that rotation. 
they're not super old like the rest of that roster. So I don't know. It'll be interesting going forward. But my prediction is I'm going to jump on the Ohio State women's basketball bandwagon, and I'm going to say they're going to handle Maryland. I think that, um, you know, those two veteran guards drop in 20-point game, I think they're going to go out there and they're going to win pretty easily, and I'm super excited to watch that game. Uh, to finish it off, Greg, what's one crazy thing that you saw or heard about or happened to you over the past couple weeks? Well, you've heard about emotional support animals, correct? Yes. Most are dogs. There's some cats. I've even seen some peacocks in, in the mix, you know, and uh, working where I work, you definitely see support uh, animals that uh, probably shouldn't be support animals. But uh, have you ever heard of an emotional support potbelly pig? No, but that seems interesting. <laughs> well, there's a city in New York that is trying to challenge the fact that a owner of a an emotional support potbelly pig is actually considered livestock or considered an emotional support animal. So the officials in the upstate village of Chana Jahari uh, definitely see it differently. And to them, the pig is a farm animal and that person flat is harboring them in their village illegally and they want to deem it livestock and so they can't have it in their city. I want to get you guys' opinions on this. Do you think that a potbelly is livestock or an emotional support animal? I'm voting on emotional support because I think we all need that emotional support in shape or form. It. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I think I think if any animal you can train that can be helpful to whatever need that you have, um, yeah, I think that you should be able to use it as an emotional support animal and use it as a service animal. Um, like I said, if, if you're able to train it, meet the needs you know what i mean obviously if you're gonna have a potbelly pig that is just tearing up all your stuff and beating you up all the time then, then yeah i mean i don't really think that you trained it to do what it's supposed to do but if they trained a potbelly pig to be an emotional support animal and it, it helps them in times of crisis then yeah i'm totally for it i mean i don't think that there's anything wrong with that um i'm not gonna get too crazy. too much in life sometimes just to fight over what the person have. I, I don't really i, I just don't I, there's so many bigger things in life then somebody, you know, having a potbelly pig makes them feel better in homes of crisis. I just don't, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to get too much on a rant. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's honestly, yeah, exactly. Um, my one crazy thing, what what was the point of the LeBron Super Like, did, did you see the LeBron Super Bowl commercial? The one where it was, he talked to his younger self, yeah. basically told him what was going on. Yeah. What? Why? Why? Why was I don't understand? Like, so we last night on two minute drill, I asked, the trivia question was, um, how much was a thirty second ad? It is six and a half million dollars for thirty seconds. What? 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 What were we supposed to? Why did somebody pay? Who paid six and a half million dollars? Did LeBron pay six and a half million dollars for that ad? I, and and again, I just don't I don't understand what the point of it was. Like, I know it's not crazy, but like, I just don't. I don't know. I I've watched it a couple of times and I still just don't understand what it was. Was it just like a, I, I don't know. Maybe a motivational thing where, you know, sometimes you have to um, make the hard decisions and, and do what's, what's best for you when everybody else tells you it's not good enough or you're not good enough or telling you that the decision isn't, isn't right. And sometimes you have to just pick your own battles, like you just said, and, and go for what you believe in. And what you believe is right, 
maybe that's the message of, because uh, I will say that the CGI of young, young LeBron was trash. I've seen better CGI in, in the movies and uh, other things, but uh, I get the point of it to me, I guess it was that you make your own path. Nobody makes it for you. And so you need to follow what you believe is the, your interest in your interest. You know what? I don't even know what else to say to that. Cause honestly, now that you say that, that was like, that was really dumb. Um, I'm glad you, honestly, like, I'm sorry if people got, that's, that's what people got out of it. Cause I was really confused. I just didn't know if it was like a, a conceited thing. Like he was just like, yeah, I'm freaking awesome. I'm going to go back and talk to my old self. I know I saw one meme that was like, maybe he can go back in time and prevent the Westbrook trade. Like that's, <laughs> I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, honestly, like now that you kind of talk about it that way, like I could see that, like him kind of trying to give a message to, um, you know, the future youth of today, like, Hey, you know, if you want something, you got to go out there and, and you got to do what you got to do. That's best for you. And you got to work as hard as you can um, in order to, I guess, make it happen. So, yeah, if honestly, I, I, can, I can see that. I can see that message trying to be, you know, put across and I can respect that. I do agree the CGI sucked. I think we saw better CGI in, in that Will Smith movie where he fought his younger self. But also they probably spent all the money on the 30 second ad spot. <laughs> not, not much on the actual cgi spot but yeah i don't know if you guys got anything different from that like let us know in the comments like honestly i think that that whole commercial could be taken differently and um, maybe you guys have different opinions on it so let us know but thanks for uh, listening to another episode of ohioverse super excited that greg is was back with us this um and continue to listen to our content going forward we're gonna have a ton of different two minute drill content and obviously we'll continue doing nothing but net and this show Ohioverse. So again, thank you. And until next time. Hey everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ohioverse. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show and sporting news in Ohio, go ahead and follow Ohioverse podcast DDS on Instagram. Also don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you. And catch you on the next one.